Secrets from a Coach. Thrive and maximize your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson-Staveley of Phenomenal Training. Debs, how you doing? I'm all right, lovely. How are you doing, Law? I'm um, all good. That was fun doing the video. Uh, oh, it was funny. Last yeah. week, <laughs> the <Yeah>. ton. <laughs> yeah, the ton. But we can breathe out for this one now because we're yeah, we back can. to the safe realms of audio. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully, don't need to hold our tummies in. Um, I am really looking forward to this one, Debs. So yes. as we know, summer is a time for regeneration. Sometimes it's not until you've had a break from the pattern that you think, mm, is this pattern working for me? Are there some little things that I can do to maybe mix things up a little bit? So uh, we put together our summer school series designed to then really help um, create some momentum around growth. So G stood for growth mindset, R for relationships, O for optimistic mindset, optimism. W last week was all about wellness. And today's chosen topic, Debs, mm. is all about teamship. And in particular, in homage to the fact this is uh, episode 101, if there were some things that we would want to banish around teams to room 101, and room 101 was uh, an invention of George Orwell in his novel 1984. Okay. And apparently this was the torture chamber <gasps> where people would be subjected to their worst fears and Debs. Oh my God. It was inspired by George Orwell having to sit in room 101 at the BBC having nightmarish, torturous, boring, <laughs> tedious meetings. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and I know we're going to talk about team meetings in a moment. So we're going to look at what might be some key things that we would, uh, based on our observations, we're working with all sorts of teams in all sorts of industries and different kind of types of wonderful people. What might be some things that we would thoroughly suggest we should banish to room 101. So Deb's got a question for yeah. you. Go on. Can teams really go bad? Like, can teams <laughs> create a toxic environment that does hold us back professionally and impact other areas of our life? What's your take oh on uh, this topic, Debs? Definitely. This is one of the things that we get called in to do is to help a team work well together. So, and when you walk in, you can sort of, you know, the team isn't functioning as well as it should be, or it's very disjointed. When you walk into that room or you start working with that team, you, it's like you can feel that, bleh, that's the only way I could describe it, that negative energy that sits around it. And it's really draining. So when you're, you're working with a team that aren't quite functioning well, then you can absolutely feel it. So instead of starting the day off with anticipation of, oh my God, it's going to be a great day. The team are all going to be working together well. It's one of dread. And therefore people come into the space and put their coats of armor on really is what the only way I could probably describe it because they are coming into survival mode. They know that they've got to get through the day. They've got to work with their particular team they're working with, and they've got to be able to survive it. So they're either retreating within themselves and being super quiet and out of the way, or they're preparing for battle. So every time you might sit in a, a meeting with them, there's this conflict going on where they're bumping heads because they're just not listening or they're just not communicating or they just don't like each other. And all we ask in teams is that you, we're not asking you to take them home and love them. We are just asking that ability to work well together and how do people overcome just difference. And difference is great, but not when it gets in the way and that turns it to this toxic environment. Not good. 
Do you know, Debs, it's interesting you use the word sort of fight there. And I know we're going to look at what might be three things that will banish, mm. you know, to room yes. 101. But I think just certainly what we've been working with clients is is really having a look at, well, what does it mean to be a future fit foxy yeah. team? Foxy team. Call it, yeah. And, uh, you know, in the old days, a team structure, I think, was like a fortress. You were yes. either in the team and in those walls of that formal team with a capital T, or you were outside the team. And uh, it felt very safe and secure when you were in it, but also you run the risk of being siloed or excluded yep. because you're either in or out of, the, of that team, which of course is a lot easier when people are physically there together in a room. But we were already starting to see some changes around, you know, where teams are based and working in different ways, et cetera. Now what we're seeing is rather than a fortress of a team structure, it's more like a festival. Yes. It's more like we're kind of all going to camp together, work really intensely, pardon the pun, and then we might not see <laughs> each other again for a couple yep. of weeks, you know, or months. So, you know, there are lots of people working on continuous improvement or transformation projects where you might work extraordinarily closely with some people for a short burst of time. Mm. And then uh, you might not kind of be formally part of that team. So it's requiring a whole new set of teamship skills, as we like to refer it to, you know, can I build a pool quickly? Mm-hmm. Can I work with maximum pace, minimal politics? And, uh, you know, that internal politics, are we as a team in each other's way to be able to progress things through? Or are we the way to be able to progress things through? So mm. let's have a look at what might be three things that of all of the other, you know, all the big stuff that's around, around teamship, there are three things that we would want to banish to room 101 Ooh, for yeah, the sake let's. of great teamship, what would they be? So the first one that I would want to banish to Room 101, Debs, is new starters not being welcomed. (gasps) Oh my God, yes, please put that in there. Absolutely. What's your rationale for that? Well, in the old days, BC, before COVID, when (laughs) typically... You might have a team that is physically there on site together. That was the kind of the default. And uh, we know that lots yeah. of the teams we work with are kind of uh, on site as well, and they always have been. But that would have been the default in the BC times before COVID. And we used to work with, you know, a couple of large organisations where there was such a cynicism mm, around new starters joining. So much so, I remember someone saying to me, I don't even bother to learn new starters' names until they've been here for six months and passed their probation because we've got so many people coming and going, I can't keep on top of it. So imagine being a new starter joining that organisation and no one really sort of bothers to find out what your Mm. name is or anything about you. And of course, a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? If I can't be bothered to find out about you as the new starter, then that new starter is not going to be, you know, engaged or committed and is probably job seeking, Mm, (laughs) you know, within the first couple of weeks because it feels really unfriendly. Now in the hybrid world that we're seeing a lot of people are kind of, you know, it might have been a sticking plaster solution. It's now becoming more of a permanent sort of solution in terms of where we work. We're hearing stories, Debs, aren't we, about people that were never greeted on site on their first day in because people have either decided to work from home that day or they Mm -hmm. were, you know, away on holiday or, you know, you've got a new starter just sort of sitting there, not meeting anyone. There's no orientation. And what does that say about that organization's level of commitment to that person? You know, so no wonder seven months later, you've got an engagement survey coming back saying, I don't feel like I'm part of this organization because- 
it might have been three weeks until I kind of met someone. So that would be, Debs, mm-hmm. my first thing that I'd want to banish to Room 101. It's nice. such a simple thing. Yep. It is unforgivable that a new starter joins an organisation and no one has bothered to kind of even connect with them. And we're hearing a lot of that because, uh, yes, life's complicated, but the level of money and effort and finance and uh, all round, you know, kind of energy it takes to recruit nowadays, yes. we got to hold on to people to make it so sticky. Not only do they want to stay, but they want to refer, you know, other talented friends in as well. So mm. that would be my first thing to banish to room 101, new starters not being welcomed. If you're in the team, we're going to make you feel like you're part of the team right from day one. Yeah, really important because then that's aligning to the team values if you've got them, right? So I think sometimes the team have to think about if we want to, you know, we're ignoring the toxic behaviours. So that's a completely toxic behaviour, right? Um, But if they're not actually going to help because that's not part of the values, then how does the team leader manager enable the values to come alive in a team as well? And if one of those is we are going to commit to welcoming everybody that joins, then happy days. You will avoid wherever possible that toxic culture. So it starts with how you set it all up. So I think it's a good one. Yeah, two right, Debs. And just the kind of the tangible takeaway from that, you know, you often talk about those first 90 days, those first three months onboarding, which is that kind of first first impression. So, you know, if you're listening in and you are in a formal management role, who's coming in over the next couple of months? What does that mean in terms of being prepared to set them up for success? If you're in a team and then you have got some new people joining, what's your role as a great colleague to be able to start to create those relationships? And you never know, every new person joining an organisation is an untapped resource of energy, ideas, inspiration. Mm -hmm. You've got to get them quick before they become part of the furniture almost in terms (laughs) of that innovation. So maybe as you talked at the last session, scan and plan. So scan and plan from a new starter point of view, when are people likely to come onto your radar and what does that mean? Just a little bit ahead of the game, being proactive can make a world of difference. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. You're 101. So I have one as well. So would you like to hear what my one is? I would love to hear what your one is, Devs, to banish to room 101 around toxic teams. (laughs) Listen in. So the one law that I would definitely put in room 101 is taking praise for somebody else's ideas. That for me is a trust breaker on every single level. And I think in being in work, but also being in teams where we're working with, hearing somebody take somebody else's idea and put it off on their own is like, really? Have you just said that? Because actually that lack of recognition will only fuel that toxic team. So because I think there's nothing more damaging to that person's morale, the pe- maybe the people around that know it's not your idea as well. They suddenly think twice about you as their leader, manager or colleague even. So it's that bit where we think that actually that was my idea, but you're not acknowledging it. So the recognition isn't there. So I think for me, That's the one, if it's somebody else's idea, but you happen to be the one that's going to be speaking about it because of the circumstances, give credit where credit's due, because that can be so demoralizing to that person, especially if it comes back around, you know, the gossip and says, oh, guess what? And they go, but that was my idea. And then who believes them? So it's a real trust breaker and teams are built on trust, but it also means that it stops people contributing. 
And it stops people generating creative ideas or putting their opinions across because they're then going to be worried that their thought is going to be used by somebody else and they're going to take the credit for it. So if I was to ban that, that would be my number one is to taking praise for somebody else's ideas is a complete no-no. Oh, Debs. I mean, I can feel my, you know, oh, I learned a new phrase, a conniption fit. A what? <laughs> yeah, a conniption fit. So a conniption, a conniption okay. fit. Yeah. So a uh, wonderful friend of ours and avid listener, Bex. So uh, she mentioned the word conniption fit the other day, and it's Ooh. where you are furious with rage and anger, with physical outbursts. <laughs> oh, wow. And I can feel a conniption fit forming, Debs, when coming. you're talking about yeah. you know, the whole taking praise. Oh, it's just such a, it's such a cheap way to get, you know, points for yourself, isn't yeah. it? So what I think would be really useful, because I have been in a scenario like that many years ago when I was kind of at the dawn of my career rather than the high noon, which is probably where I'm at now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I'm closer to the... dusk, Law. Uh, yeah, well, there we go. That's uh, <laughs> It's time for the sundowner, that is. Um, but I think what could be quite useful from an empowering point of view, yeah. for anyone's listening who is working with someone who is a bit of a, um, you know, an ideas bagger, An ideas stealer. Yeah. Yeah. What drives that? So what would help someone just to think, right, I work with someone, they're stealing my ideas, oh, you know, I'm spotting it now, I'm listening to this and I'm realising that, yes, this is happening. But I think what can be empowering is to understand the reason why someone might be doing that. So yes. in your experience, what drives someone to blag an idea and palm mm. it off as their own? Yeah, that's it. I mean, how long have we got to talk about that? Normally, it comes from a place of fear or I, I'm not good enough or I'm not being recognised for my contribution and they just don't think for themselves. So it's quite a selfish standpoint, but it comes from lack of self-awareness and that fear that I've got to be number one, I've got to be important, my ego is kicking in and playing here, rather than be confident in your ability to deliver. And that actually by embracing that other people's ideas are just ideas and by bringing them together, you both look really good. So it's fear, lack of confidence, maybe being called out on something in their past where they didn't want to feel exposed. So there is always, always, whenever we work with somebody who does that, there's always an underlying reason as to why they're behaving in that way. And they get into such a habit around it. They don't know how to get out of it sometimes. So being able to give them the space to explore, what was that all about? You know, that was so-and-so's idea. What made you take that? So questioning their motive, if you like, behind it. And it's normally, as I said, it's led by a position of I'm not good enough. So I'm going to nick all the good ideas. So I'll look good and the spotlight's on me. But then if they don't deliver, then that's a whole nother conversation that they're going to have. So what goes around comes around, right? And they then get even more isolated from the team because everybody's recognizing what they're doing. And therefore, they don't want to be with them or work with them. And so therefore that person keeps that behavior going because they don't know how to stop it. So we work with people to stop that behavior and reposition themselves in a different way. Fascinating why people do it. It's so fascinating, Debs. And uh, I'd love you to challenge me on this if actually this wouldn't sort of be the most appropriate way to kind of handle it. But I'm thinking, right, if I'm there in a meeting mm -hmm. and you and I have had a one-to-one, -one, I've given you this a great idea for you know a session that we're going to run. I can see you are talking about that idea to someone as if it was your own. Mm. In that moment, I guess, and this is where I welcome your kind of challenge or feedback on this. I'm thinking, would would it be useful for me to have some kind of phrase like, Debs, I'm so thrilled that that conversation we had and the ideas that we talked about, mm -hmm. you're thinking it has some legs. 
what do you think we could then do moving forward? Da, 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 da. So it's almost like, but I don't know the, the fine line between passive aggressive yeah. and game playing. <laughs> And then almost just kind of in that moment going, hang on a minute, that was my yeah. idea, you know, but to sort of bring it in in a yeah. subtle way of, oh, Devs, you know, I, I I really enjoyed it when we talked about that idea at a meeting. But I just think what could be so useful is is those sort of, you know, street skills of yeah. in that moment, you kind of spotted it. But what would your advice be? I mean, that's kind of one thought that's going through my mind about actually, do I raise it now while we're in that public space? Yeah. Or do I say after, actually, Des, can I have a quick word? And that's yeah. From, what was that you know, all about? What yeah. was that all about? Yeah. It's really difficult. Yeah. So do I then have that kind of classic feedback conversation? I, I noticed you talked about Idea X. Yeah. That was based from the conversation that we then had yesterday. Yeah. So I'm a bit confused as to what that means in terms of my role with this idea moving forward. Can you help yeah. me understand? Absolutely. Something as simple as that law would be really, really good. We There's another technique that we got taught years and years ago, actually, which is just, as you've been speaking, just popped into mind. And it's um, every fish needs batter plus chips. So it's EFN B plus plus sign C. So what does that mean? So the E is for evidence. The F is for feeling. The need is the need. The B is for batter (laughs) or benefits as it gets called. And the plus C is consequences. So you can choose to put the consequences in or not, but it's a way of leaning into the conversation with the evidence. What I saw, like you said, Law, what I noticed was that you shared the idea in an open forum, I felt or how I felt about that was actually I was just disappointed or I was upset, I was concerned, I was confused, whatever you might be feeling because no one can take away how you feel. So therefore what I need to do or need to understand is what was going on for you in that moment or what I need to know is da 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 because the benefits for me would be to understand it more. Um, the benefits to you would be to how do we work together moving forward on other ideas that we all raise and the benefits to the people that might be hearing those ideas, you know, so, so therefore you might use the plus the consequences. So the consequence of us doing it well means da, 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 we look like a great team, but the consequences of you continuing to do that means actually I'm going to be less likely to contribute to any ideas when I know that you're just going to take them as their own. So it's an assertive position, the EFNB plus C, rather than that maybe passive aggressive or aggressive as we hear, or even passive, oh, it's okay, I'll be all right. Um, It's just a neat framework to lean into a conversation and use your words, obviously, but evidence, feeling, needs, benefits, plus the consequences, good consequences, not so good consequences, is a great way to have a conversation around that. Oh, I love it, Dave. Do you know, I wish I had known that in my uh, earlier dawn of my career because uh, it's not until you've had a few run-ins and a few scrapes that you sort of think, oh, I should have stood up for myself, you know, at that point. And I think that's where little tools like that can be really valuable. And to give credit to that, actually, Law, just to say, because that's taking somebody else's work, that's not mine. So that was from a workshop that I did way back when from somebody called Avril Carson. And she was amazing at how to have great conversations. So credit to her because that tool has stuck with me and that must be 30 years ago now, but it's still stuck. So credit to Avril for sharing that with us at the time. Yeah, nice one, Avril. And to kind of bring a hybrid mix in on that, Yeah, actually, there might be, you know, BC, before COVID, there might have been more corridor opportunities to have nabbed you on the way out of that meeting. AD, after disruption, so in yeah. these current times, <laughs> uh, we're there on a Teams call. Yeah. 
how am I going to deal with this in that kind of moment? That mm. is where I really need some kind of slick, high etiquette, but high impact assertive tool to be able to have that conversation. It might be yeah. a private chat. You say, Dev, can we just hang on after this team's meeting before we go on to the next one? Yeah. So it still might be a one-on-one environment, but I think in a virtual environment, Devs, you have to be even more pristine with your word patterns because we don't have that chemistry in that real room environment to be able to sort of smile and hug it out. You know, we've got to talk it using our words. So that's why I think Mm. tools like the one that Avril shared with you all those years ago are even more valid in a hybrid workplace because you have to be pristine in terms of how you deliver those messages because there's less of that gooey kind of chemistry that's there in the room. Yeah, definitely. I love that. And I suppose that sort of leads on to that, you know, what you were saying, your third thought of what you would put into room 101 is around the energy and the meetings piece. So tell us a little bit more about your third room 101, Law. Debs, you know that moment when you're in the most boring meeting and you have the best innovative idea? Yes. No, me neither. There is a clear link, Debs. What was that? There is a clear link, Debs, between boring team meetings, and I don't mean teams with yeah. a capital T, but I mean when we get together and we have meetings, they drag they overrun. We don't cover anything that we're supposed to. People are late. People are late. (laughs) So a meeting that should start at 10 o'clock doesn't actually get going until 12 minutes past, which means everyone is kind of thinking, oh, well, you know, the bit that I'd prepared, you know, you can just feel that kind of discipline Mm -hmm. and that etiquette kind of slipping away. So the third thing, Debs, I would banish into room 101 is disorganized, disheveled, dull meetings. And why is that even so more important now in this kind of hybrid work? Because that might be the only time as a team we come together, all of us in the room. And if every time we come together, it drags us down, what's that then say in terms of the energy I bring to my work when I'm Mm. kind of working away from the team? Because uh, depending on the type of person you are, you might really get energized from time with other people. So that might be your high spot within your working day, that time together. But if actually it's really dull, boring, disorganized (laughs) and disheveled, there's just no kind of structure, then that can, uh, you know, make a real kind of impact. So that would be my third thing I would chuck into room 101. And it's crazy, Debs. I don't know what your perception is on this, but it has intrigued me the number of clients that have asked us to Mm -hmm. run sessions around a team meeting charter, ways of working, etiquette and discipline. So I think there is this kind of uh, global feeling of actually we haven't got time to have meetings that drag or don't propel us forward because, you know, we're all kind of trying to achieve more with less time and have life work balance, etc. So it's been quite intriguing how um, this old topic of meetings, um, but let's make meetings magic again, has been, uh, you know, we're running a couple of those magic meeting sessions each month with different clients. So it's quite interesting how that old (laughs) um, kind of uh, uh, topic (laughs) is still as relevant as it ever was. Yeah, I think you're right, Law. And I think it comes down to whoever's chairing that meeting. And, you know, again, if it's that one person who's only there to to just hear their own voice and they love the glory, you know, their lack of self-awareness of the impact they're having on people needs to be fed back to them is what I would say. (laughs) Otherwise, people will just switch off. So I think that ability to create 
I suppose we've mentioned the values of how we're going to work together as a team. I think also that what's our common goal here? And if they can be smart at mixing that up or giving somebody else the chair or sending the agenda in advance and saying, look, if you're not needed on this meeting, don't turn up, but find out afterwards. I think people have to be smarter at that. Otherwise, I know I would get stupidly bored with the same structure and you just switch off and then go, oh, is it my turn? Oh, no, I've missed that. Oh, I'll just switch off again. So again, that that just feeds into this toxic team where I can't be asked to turn up today because I'm not going to be heard. We run out of time. What's the point? So I'll just disengage. And that just then breeds the culture of that toxic team even more. So I think it's a responsibility of someone to be really clear on what is it, you know, what does it look like? What does a high performing team look like? What do we look like? And getting clear on that common goal that we all need to strive for. And the way we're going to do our meetings is like this and not meetings for meeting's sake. Yeah, agree. We're also seeing some of our most forward-thinking clients as well, recording those ones where people yes. either can or, or don't need to be physically present but can catch up later on their own as almost like an audio recording. So we have so much technology, you know, at our fingertips now. You know, you can sort of be there without being there. Absolutely. Um, equally, when you're on, it's cameras on, and those are the meetings that tend to kind of, you know, f- uh, engage and kind of uh, give that sort of energy. So that would be my third thing, Deb. Nice. Um, it's a boring, dull, unproductive, undisciplined, dishevelled meetings. Let's chuck them there in room 101, banish them forever. <laughs> okay. So we've got three really good ones. I'm sure there's a few more that people will share with us, but that not welcoming new people into the team, there's that taking praise for someone else's ideas and that no energy and boring, dishevelled meetings definitely need to get into room 101 for sure. Love that law. So Debs, yes, it's all about converting wishful thinking to tangible action. It is. So episode 101 has all been, as you said, about chucking things, banishing them to room 101. What would your call to action be around this big topic, topic of our times, great teams and that sense of teamship? What would be your mm-hmm. call to action, Debs? So my call to action would be to connect, making sure you are connecting with the people around you and taking time to make sure you're only not seeing them on a screen, but you're actually making and reaching out time. I think being clear on what is it we're here to do. So every meeting, every conversation you're going to have, there's a real clear purpose to that meeting and making sure we connect in the way that's aligned with the ways of working or our team values. That would be my call to action. Beautiful. And it doesn't have to be the business meetings, work meetings in our life. This could be kind of any kind of meeting, isn't it? It's having that kind of, I guess, organisation kind of around it. So my share the secret would be, Someone's got to tend to the garden at some point if you want to have a flourishing team environment. So send this to a couple of people within your team who you know are as motivated as you are to have a lively, vibrant, flourishing team environment. Get them to listen to this and then maybe have a chat after. Mm -hmm. If we were to really (laughs) tend to our team, what might that mean in terms of our mindset, our behaviours, and what would be the practical next step that for us would say, yeah, as a team, we are on it. We are one of those teams that would be used as a shiny example of a future fit foxy team and, you know, the opposite of all those things we've sort of talked about in Room 101. So that would be my share the secret. Find some fellow team tenders because any flourishing garden (laughs) needs a little bit of TLC. So what does that mean in terms of the... uh, time, love and care um, from a team point of view. Nice one. So Debs, this has been episode 101. This was tea as part of our growth summer school program. 
So our final installment of our six-part summer school series, because summer's a great time to just refresh, regenerate, think about things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And our final one, H, is for harmony. Yes. How do we weave this all together? What does it mean in terms of smashing it in the different arenas of our life? And I think that's going to be a fantastic conversation with you, Debs, because I know you've worked really closely with so many people over the last couple of years in particular Mm -hmm. around how to achieve this harmonious way of working. So I can't wait to do a deep dive into that. I love that. I can't either, Laura. So looking forward to that one for sure. And yeah, the last of our summer school. How cool. So we better get ready to get back to school at some point. So looking forward to next week as our final one. Fantastic. Oh, it's time to buy some new station. <gasps> yeah, <Debs>. let's go shopping. <laughs> let's go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll see you next time. Oh, I'll see you next week. Love Jess. you. Love you. Bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you're a Spotify listener, give us a rating as it makes it easier for us to share the secret with others.